Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Josh Tongo here, and I'm excited about today's guest. His name is Garnet Schulhauser. And Garnet Schulhauser is a retired lawyer who practiced corporate law for over 30 years. And in his current work, recounts how his life dramatically changed one day back in 2007 when he was confronted on the street by a homeless man named Albert, who was actually his spirit guide in disguise. And this encounter launched the beginning of a very provocative dialogue with Albert, who Disclose information to him about the true nature of the soul, reincarnation, the afterlife, and much, much more. And he shares his many astral adventures in his books Dancing on a Stamp,、uh, Dancing Forever with Spirit, Dance of Heavenly Bliss, and his latest book is Dance of Eternal Rapture. So, Garnet, it's nice to have you on the show. So nice to be here, Josh. Cool. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself since this is your first time on the show.、Uh, what was your life like before that unexpected day in 2007? Well, to go way back to, to my childhood, I was raised in a very religious Roman Catholic family. And, and so that was my background in terms of religion.、Um, and then by the time、uh, I got into my 30s, I started questioning a lot of the、uh, beliefs and dogma of the church. And I was ser- searching for a new paradigm to latch onto,、um, you know, looking for answers to all the big questions in life like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my life purpose? And what happens to me when I die?、Um, and so then. Uh, in 2007, I was practicing law yet. And、uh, as you mentioned in the introduction, strolling down the street one day, and all of a sudden, a homeless man just jumped out in front of me.、Um, and uh, he was, uh, uh, looked like a very typical homeless man with sort of long, stringy hair and scraggly beard and dirty, slept in clothes.、Um, and, uh, but there was something very different about him because he had these amazing, dazzling blue eyes. And he seemed, his gaze seemed to be penetrating deep within me. Like he was looking down into the depths of my soul, and I felt that he knew everything about me, which was strange because we'd never met before. But at the same time, he was sending me, his eyes were sending me this, this wave, this gush of,、uh, of what I would term pure unconditional love, which was just infusing my whole body with an amazing sense of peace and security and well being. So it's a very nice feeling, something I'd never experienced before. So I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights until he broke the spell by saying to me, Why are you here? And then he promptly disappeared into a nearby store.、Um, and when I finally collected my wits about me, I went into the store to find him, couldn't see him anywhere. I walked back in the street, walked up and down for several blocks, hoping to spot him, but he had disappeared into thin air. He was nowhere to be seen.、Hmm. So next day I came back, resol- I had resolved that evening to come back the next day to find this guy. I came back to the same street, same time of,、uh, of day. Uh, hoping to spot him, and I walked up and down the same street for a few blocks,、um, and I finally spotted him sitting all alone on a bench. So I went up to him and I said, Who are you, and why did you stop me the other day? And he said, Well, I'm a soul just like you. I'm here to answer your questions and help you on your journey. And I said, if, Well, in, initially I was sort of a bit skeptical because lawyers are skeptical, and I had a skeptical lawyer brain. So I said to him, Well, Why do you think you can help me when you can't even help yourself? Because it looks like you've been sleeping on the street for weeks and you smell like a dead fish. And he just gave me a big smile and he said, You know, looks can be deceiving because you look like you're a very successful corporate lawyer with everything under control, but we both know that's just a facade. He said, If you want to, turn around and go back to your office and see if you can find the answers to all the questions you've been asking yourself all these years. See if you can find those answers on all the emails waiting for you on your computer.、Hmm. Or you can sit down and have a chat with me. So, luckily, I decided to sit down and have a chat with him. 
Um, and uh, he told me his name was Albert and he was one of my spirit guides in disguise. That was the beginning of a dialogue that went off and on for the next few months and eventually resulted in uh, my first book, Dancing on a Stamp. Wow. So, I mean, was Albert like a physical being you could see or, or can other people see him too? I could see him and I could touch him. He was very physical to me. And I found out later he told me that I was the only one who could see him in physical form. So if other people had been walking down the street that day, they would have seen me sitting on a bench by myself talking to myself because they couldn't see him. <laughs> right. So, so you being a lawyer at the time, I mean, being like a, a rational person, I'm assuming like how, how do you know you weren't losing your mind and just seeing things? Well, I, I had that doubt initially when it, when it, when I first started talking to him. It's like, you know, the question, is this guy for real? But the more I talked to him within sort of the first five minutes, he spoke with such clarity and wisdom and uh, compassion that it just rang true in my heart. And I just knew, okay, this guy is for real, and I need to sit and talk to him and ask questions. And, and his answers just made so much sense to me. So it, it, the, my doubts evaporated very quickly. And then, uh, you know, after that time, I, I just knew that I was talking to the real McCoy and that uh, he was really my spirit guide. I believed him totally. Nice, nice. Yeah, so, you know, for the most part, um, I read several of your books already. I mean, your books are, are pretty much written like a like a dialogue between you and your spirit guide, Albert. Uh, but to yep. be honest, you know, skeptics may be wondering, like, how in the world were you able to remember all those long conversations in such detail? Because some might assume it's all made up. You know what I'm saying? Like, was this these conversations verbatim, you know, like what would be your response to that if like people are wondering, well, how did you the, remember? Well, what, what I would do is during the first, my first book, The Dialogue, I would just sit in a, in a quiet room and I would just have the, you know, after the first three visits, he no longer appeared as the homeless man and he was just the voice in my head and we communicated by telepathy. Okay. Um, and so I, I would uh, sit all alone in, uh, in, in, in my office and uh, have a chat with him, ask him questions. And I had a notepad and I would, I would jot down the answers um, and then when we finished the session or the, or the that part of the dialogue, I would go to the computer and 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 uh, uh, key in the the notes I had made. So th to the best of my recollection, I tried to recall what he said exactly as he said it. I mean, obviously sometimes uh, th there may have been a few words here and there that are slightly different different sure. nuances, but generally it was a, as close as I could remember to what he told me. And so and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't too hard really because we wouldn't have. Uh, um, you know, in the book, it seems like the conversation continuously flows, but it actually had a number of episodes. Uh, so there's plenty of time for me to sort of jot down my notes and get them in the computer, uh, which then those notes formed the basis for um, uh, my first book. But yeah, it wasn't too difficult. And it seemed, I, I seemed to have uh, more than usual clarity in terms of my memories of, of what he said to me. And I think that was probably by design on his part. But uh, in any event, that, that's, that's, that's how the book uh, evolved. Okay, cool, cool. So you mentioned that he's your your spirit guide. And so like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who grew up like you and myself. We grew up in the church and religious and we believe we believe growing up in like guardian angels and stuff. So, I mean, what's the difference between a guardian angel and a spirit guide, if, if any? Yeah, they're different. They're different types of entities. Uh, spirit guides basically are pretty much like uh, souls like you and I. I mean, and, and, and for the most part, uh, a lot of times they're part of our soul group. We tend to travel in groups, you know, which which I, I call soul group, you know, through many different lifetimes, and uh, where we exchange roles and and take on different uh, uh, different challenges, uh, helping each other. Um, so spirit guides are often part of our soul group. Uh, oftentimes, um, uh, you may have incarnated with uh, your spirit guides in, in a number of other previous lives. So and uh, 
and, and, and the spirit guides generally are, are people who have incarnated on the earth plane so that they know what it's like to be a human on earth. And so that gives them a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom to help you on your journey. And, and basically what spirit guides do is they're there. They're like your coaches from the spirit realm. They're there with you 24 seven. They're there watching what you're doing. They know what you put in your life plan before you're born. And they're always sending you messages to try to guide you down the path that you had hoped to, to, to travel before you were born. Uh, but their messages, other, except for my conversations with Albert, which is really very unusual, most of the messages from spirit guides to people are very subtle, like flashes of intuition, whispers in your mind, uh, gut feelings, uh, coincidental events. There's a number of ways they try to communicate, but it's all very subtle. Right, and right. most people have a, have a tough time trying to, uh, trying to hear the messages. Um, or, and, and then if they do hear them, try to figure out what exactly uh, they're telling you. And, uh, and then, of course, oftentimes a human mind kicks in and your ego uh, says, well, no, you got that message, but I've got a better plan for you kind of thing. So you, you have all these d different reasons that the messages aren't followed or, or even heard. Now, uh, guardian angels are uh, typically spirits uh, who don't generally incarnate on Earth. So there's special spirits that just that are also there to help you, but um, guardian angels don't sort of try to guide you every step of the way. They're there uh, to prevent uh, you getting into some uh, situation where you might have a, a death before your soul is ready to to exit, and, and they will actually physically, if necessary, um, pull you out of a mess. You'll uh, avoid a, a car accident or uh, you know, some other mishap that might take your, your life before your soul is ready to exit. So they have a sort of a very specialized role. Um, so the, the, both spirit guides and guardian angels are there to help you, but in slightly different ways. Right, right. You know, so we'll get into some of the stuff that, you know, Albert was disclosing to you, but just because you just mentioned about angels kind of like watching over people, protecting them, you know, if we do have guardian angels who protect us, why do people still get hurt or die in car crashes if, you know, did Albert reveal anything to you about that? Yeah, that's a, very, that's a very good question. And the reason is, is that if someone dies in a car crash, it's not because their guardian angel was asleep at the switch. It's because the soul of that person decided that that car crash was uh, their exit point, that they would leave the earthly incarnation and go back to the spirit realm. So when the soul decides that that's the way it wants to exit, the guardian angel, of course, will not interfere. And, and so that leads to even a, you go back a step. What surprised me, uh, one of the things surprised me the most about what Albert told me is that no one dies by accident. It may seem like an accident, but but everyone dies when their soul decides to exit. So that even if there's 300 people who die in a plane crash, um, it seems accidental, but all the souls of every one of those people decided that this group exit, this group death was the way to exit the incarnation. And so souls decide when to leave. As humans, our, our human minds don't know what they're planning. But but that that's that's when we leave, and so uh, um, and, and so guardian angels will try to uh, uh, save our lives where it's not a planned exit point, but if it is, they'll just let it happen. Okay, so you know before I just jump into all these like random questions about you know life after death and you know spirits etc. Like to understand like so you're getting a lot of these answers via Albert like how you know just telepathy the whole time or talking physically in person. Uh, uh, no, for the first uh, for the first book, um, I, I met with him. He was physically present for the first three times. Then he was just a voice in my head, telepathy. So it was a dialogue. But but I also on my other uh, other three books, the last three books deal with astral travels with Albert. 
right. in which case then he would show up in my bedroom in astral form. So not physical form, but in astral form. And he would take me in astral form off to the spirit side and other places. And so then I would talk to him by telepathy, talk to other people by telepathy, and also view other uh, other planets and universe, other things that Albert wanted me to see. So there's sort of a, two main ways of uh, that he uh, showed his revelations to me. Got it, got it. Okay, so, you know, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, just kind of talking about, like, exit points. So are you saying that we as souls, we choose when we die? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and generally speaking, when... Uh, before we're incarnated and we prepare a life plan, we usually build in, you know, four or five or six uh, potential exit points for our incarnation. And then as we go through life, when, you know, the first exit point comes up, our soul can decide, okay, do I want to exit here or should I pass on this one and keep going? And so your soul has the absolute right in terms of which exit point they're picking. And, and but yeah, ultimately it's your soul who decides when to leave the incarnation. You know, I could see some people saying, okay, that might make sense. But what about those who might think they might struggle with that answer? Because, you know, they would wonder, like, what benefit would there be if you were to die tragically at a young age where you leave behind your children and then they have to struggle the rest of their lives without their parents? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, and that's a good question. A lot of people ask that. Uh, when somebody dies tragically at a young age, like you say, leaving behind a, a, a young family, yeah. people might say, well, why would you do that? Well, it, it all depends on what was in the life plans of yourself and the, and the people in your family. It may be that uh, you came into this world to provide a, a lesson for the people that you left behind, a lesson that they had to overcome, that they planned for. And so your early exit was a planned thing, um, not so much to for you to learn, but more for your family that you left behind to learn some hard lessons because you're gone. And so it, it, it seems like very strange to us, like, why would you do that? But there's a very good reason for it. We don't understand the reason here. When you're Before you're born on the spirit realm, you totally understand uh, why things are planned out the way they are. You know, I mean, just as you were mentioning, like, you know, we have these challenges. So, I mean, with life having its many challenges, you know, why... Why do souls still choose to incarnate? You know, why would they want to experience Earth with all the, the pain and the suffering that goes on? Because it's just a way for the soul to grow and evolve by experiencing hands-on reality on the physical plane. You know, a soul in the spirit realm, they, they could sort of learn about what happens on planet Earth or other places on the, on the physical plane. You know, it's sort of like book learning. But it's not really complete until you, you actually incarnate in the physical plane and get hands-on learning by really experiencing it firsthand. Uh, you know, and, and and the things that are that happen on the earth plane, like Earth, don't happen on the spirit realm. There's no negative emotions. There's no pain, suffering, uh, violence. There's no, there's none of that. Just this, just pure, unconditional love. So, to really find out what it's like you know, on the physical plane, most souls say, "I need to jump in there with both feet, incarnate into a physical body, and then I'll really know firsthand what it's like to be a human on planet Earth." Hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you're also mentioning about how the differences between the earth plane and in the spirit realm. If we're originally from the spirit realm, like, why don't we remember anything from over from over there, or do we? For the most part, we don't, and that's by design. So it's intended that we sort of pass through the veil of forgetfulness as we're incarnated, so that we don't remember where we came from, don't remember that we had a life plan or what's in it, and don't remember our previous lives. So that we we basically come to Earth with more or less a clean blank slate. And then we have to sort of find our way, uh, you know, through the uh, through our lives and and to meet our challenges without the benefit of knowing what happened beforehand or what our plan was. So that that's what makes life on Earth so difficult is because we don't remember any of these things. Now the odd person might remember a few things, 
some some memories of previous lives will leak through to the current life. Right. But it's not sort of the whole picture, um, and it's just intended in, on planet Earth that you don't remember these things, and that you, which just makes it a more difficult challenge to be a human on on Earth. And that, and that's why Earth is one of the toughest schools in the universe. So it's all by design. And when you get back to the spirit realm, you you know then we'll remember everything that you ha had previously remembered on the spirit realm, but you just don't remember it on Earth. Okay, I mean, so speaking of design, you know, a lot of people do think that, that God predetermines and pretty much lays out exactly what's going to happen in people's lives, like, you know, just certain circumstances, even death, you know, where, the, where you'll be born, who you're going to marry, etc. But you're, you talk about this life plan. Can you tell us more about this whole life plan thing? Yeah, be, be, before every soul incarnates, they, they prepare a life plan, which is basically a plan setting out the significant aspects of their upcoming life on Earth. And things like, okay, where am I going to be born? Uh, who are my parents? First language I learned, uh, you know, first place I go to school. That's all. Those basics are all set out. When you're born, all that's already fixed in place. You set out other milestones that you want to achieve as well, challenges to face, lessons to learn. Um, but it's not fixed in stone from the time you're born because you have free will to make decisions, take actions. Um, and, and because of that, because you don't remember what you put in your life plan, well, most of us stray off course many times during our life. And so it would be very unusual for someone to actually hit all the points on the life plan uh, while they're on Earth because it's so easy to wander off course. Um, and uh, But anyway, the life plan is prepared with the goal of giving the soul the, the kinds of challenges uh, to face, the lessons to be learned that will help that soul with its evolution. And that's the whole intent is, to, is to, for souls, how can I grow and evolve? Well, I'm going to go to Earth and face these challenges uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll pass them. In a lot of cases, y you miss the challenge. You, you don't learn the lesson. You, you don't overcome the challenge. When you get back to the spirit realm, that's why so many souls say, okay, um, I didn't get it all this time. I'm going to go back again and do better the next time. And so that's why so many of us have numerous incarnations on Earth because it's not easy to hit all the points that you want to hit in your very first time. Okay, so this life plan was created by the individual and not necessarily yeah. like God you know, laying it all out for you. Yeah, no, God, God does not, God, I call God the source. The okay. source doesn't uh, doesn't uh, plan our lives, doesn't make us come uh, to earth. Um, it, it, it's all the individual soul who does that based upon what they want to achieve. Now, they do get some advice. There's a, a group of very wise souls called the Council of Wise Ones there who uh, will help people with their life plans, help souls, uh, give them good advice about whether their, their life plan is, is too easy or too ambitious. Um, and so uh, every soul gets that sort of good guidance. But the ultimate decision as to what's in your life plan is up to the soul. And in fact, the decision to come to earth or not is totally up to the soul. No one fit, makes a soul incarnate on earth. You can stay in the spirit side as long as you want, or you can go and incarnate on a different planet. It's entirely up to the soul. But they get good advice from some very wise and advanced souls when they're preparing their life plan. The soul pretty much is the one that creates this this outline, you know, that covers the major yes. points in a person's life and kind of removes, uh, I guess you could say, removes the victim mentality, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, if people are in sort of in a uh, in a bad experience and, and, and things are really getting them down, um, there's no way they should say, okay, why is God or the universe doing this to me? I didn't deserve this. The fact of the matter is you chose this life, so you put yourself here, and so there's no one to blame. You're not a victim. You're the creator of your own your own destiny. You sort of... Uh, you, you sort of write, you create, you, you wrote your script and you continue to write it and rewrite it as you live through life. And so you're the one responsible for being here. And so, and, the, and you may not understand or remember 
why you chose these challenges or why you, you're having this uh, tough spot in your life. Uh, but there was good reason for it. And yet you, you have to recognize that every experience, whether good or bad, is really a learning experience. And you have to decide, figure out what it is that you should learn from it and then move on. So if we are the ones who create our life plans, you know, why didn't some of us create our lives to be more privileged and comfortable, like being, you know, filthy rich and never having any health problems or just being trouble free altogether? Well, and that's a good question. And I asked Albert that and I said, you know, if I could choose my my, my own life, why didn't I choose to be Prince Charles, you know, <laughs> uh, a very privileged person. And he said, you don't understand it now, but but it, it, there was you, you chose a life that, that, that to give you the challenges that you needed. And having an easy, cushy life, being very wealthy, probably wouldn't give you the challenges that you needed to face. And so you could go ahead and have that life, but then you come back and it's like, okay, what did I learn? Not much. And, uh, you know, so you need, so everyone sort of says, okay, well, um, you know, that was easy, but now I need to bear down and, and choose a life where I can actually learn something. And as you, as many people say, you learn a lot more from your hardships and your failures than you do from your successes. And so that's why we chose our lives. And it'll all be apparent to us when we cross back to the spirit realm as to why we chose our particular lives. Right now, we don't know why. And, but a lot of people you know, have that same question. Why, didn't I, why wasn't I born into a, 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 in the family of a wealthy tech billionaire somewhere you know, where life would be really easy? Wouldn't be easy, but you probably wouldn't learn very much. If we do have this so-called life plan, I have a lot of people that I meet, they have a hard time figuring out what they want to do with their lives. I mean, if this, if this life plan was already you know, created beforehand. Like, why do a lot of us have a hard time figuring it out, though? Like, after so many years. It's it just because of the of the fact that you, it, it, you forget what's in your life plan, and then you have to rely on the messages from your guides to sort of give you some clues, some insights as to where you should be going. And so for a lot of people who don't, uh, uh, you know, who are sort of wondering, well, what should I do? Uh, they have to be, become better listeners. They have to sort of uh, uh, focus on, the messages they get from their guides, which isn't easy, but it's something we all need to do. And the, the, you know, the the one test is uh, that uh, uh, the goddess Athena told me on the spirit side. She said, you know, um, if, if if you if you're going through life and it feels like you're on balance and everything seems to be in in harmony uh, and you're feeling good about it, then you're on the right path. But she says that if it feels like you're banging your head against a brick wall, then you need to back up and find another route. And so that's just a very rough sort of uh, of way of telling people whether they're on course or not. But having said that, if you figure out you're not on the right course, how do you figure out where to go? Well, you have to sort of watch, uh, listen to the messages, watch for things like coincidental events, synchronicities, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. And those kind of things can help sort of guide you on the right path. And it's, and it's not easy. I mean, the easiest thing would be for everyone's guide to speak to them like Albert speaks to me and say, okay, okay, Josh, here's where you should go and, and give you specific detailed instructions. They're not going to do that because it would make, make it too easy for you. What you're saying, though, would be considered heresy amongst like a lot of religious people. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? So, I mean, like, for example, Absolutely. mainstream Christianity teaches that, you know, you only got this one life, then that's it. You know, boom, judgment. But you were mentioning about our lives, you know, that we're on the spirit side. We plan and we might have to, like, go back and kind of do better, which implies we have many lives. But why do you think yeah. modern day Christianity has such a hard time adopting this whole idea of reincarnation in many lives? Well, because the, the the doctrine against reincarnation, as I understand it, in Christianity was many, I think, uh, you know, about the third century AD. Before that, there were some Christians who believed in reincarnation. Some didn't. In, in, in any event, the uh, the powers that be decided that, that reincarnation was not a doctrine, never happened. 
and in my view as to the reason they did it was because they wanted to hold everyone's feet to the fire because if you said to people uh you know you, you you've got uh you can have as many lives as you want and so there'd be no real incentive to be particularly good in this life you could just slack off and say well if i don't do it in this life i'll, I'll try again in the next life so the church wanted you to have one chance this is the only life you get and if you don't uh if, if, if you don't do good and you break god's rules you're going to be judged and sent to hell, an awful place. So they really wanted to keep the pressure on everyone that this was the life where you had to be good. And so it's just a matter of controlling people. But, it, you know, and, and, and their, their doctrine, of course, I was raised with this, is that God made a bunch of rules that we have to follow. Um, and that uh, if we broke those rules and didn't make amends, uh, when we died, we'd be judged. God would judge us. And if he judges to be uh, bad people, then we would go off to this awful place called hell. So that was the, the main core of the religion, and I and, and as far as I know, I haven't been to church for a long time, but as far as I know, that's still there, um, and and that's just a matter of making sure that everyone toes the line right now in this life, because there is no, no other chance. There's no second chance under their doctrine. Whereas if you have reincarnation as a concept, then it's like, well, I don't if I don't do it in this life, I can come back again and again and again, um, you know, and so there's no no particular incentive to do it all in this life. Uh, so that's why the church decided. No reincarnation. Okay. I mean, just you, you did mention it earlier. So, you know, to play the devil's advocate, I'd like to, you know, have you share your response. Like if reincarnation is true, wouldn't there be less urgency to do the right thing in a particular life? Because like, as you said, you could just be like, you know, I'm going to do whatever the hell that I want now, be hedonistic to the extreme and just do better in the next life. So, I mean, what would you say to that though? Well, sure, there is less incentive if you believe in reincarnation, but 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 there's there's a couple of aspects to, to reincarnation. Some of the Eastern religions believe that... Um, there is reincarnation, but you don't get to choose uh, to, whether you come back at all or, or, or what you come back as. Like some of the Eastern religions, you know, if you led a bad life, the next life you're going to come back as a snake. Um, and so, so, so that that's an incentive for them to, to do good in this life. I mean, for the people who believe in reincarnation as I do, uh, yeah, perhaps there's less incentive, but but it, it, every uh, every soul has sort of like a moral obligation to try to do their best, to try to face all their challenges and learn and grow and evolve uh, as quickly as possible. And so for most of us, it's sort of like, nah, you know what? Uh, even a cushy life on planet Earth is not a, a, an especially, a, you know, a great existence. I mean, even even the, the wealthy people have their problems. Sure. Um, and so, you know, to just come back and have cushy lives because you, just because you can uh, doesn't mean a lot of souls are going to do that. Like for most, it's sort of like, no, I want to I wanna graduate from planet Earth as quickly as I can. And I'm going to do that by having, you know, uh, tougher lives. And I'm not going to slack off. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do my best. So, I mean, but let's just say there are people who just choose not to do their best. And they just want to screw around and, and hurt people, you know, for their own selfish reasons. So you're saying that there's no judgment after death? No, no judgment. There's no judgment by anyone other than each soul judges his own performance in the previous life. So when you, when you cross over to the spirit realm, you have what's called a life review where you can review the, the life you've just lived in sort of great detail all the way through. Um, and, and during that life review, of course, you, you look at all the places that you took a wrong turn, made a mistake, hurt other people. When you're on the spirit side, where there's nothing but unconditional love, uh, you know, even if you were a bad person who deliberately hurt other people, when you're back on the, on the spirit realm, you look at it and say, oh God, I, you know, I, I wished I hadn't done that. Uh, and next time I'm gonna try to do better. Because over there, there is no one who says, I'm going to, you know, just deliberately hurt people. That's just, it never happens. There's nothing but love over there. 
And so when you look back at a life on, uh, on planet Earth, you know, the people who deliberately hurt other people, they're going to feel badly about it and they're going to vow to come back and try to do it again and, and have a better life. Right. And so those people who see, you know, their life in review, you, it gives you an opportunity to learn where you could have done better, so to speak. And at the same time, you could also feel the impact that you made in people's lives, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the life review is not designed to make you feel badly. Uh, it's, it's designed to, um, to to help you. It's a learning tool to see where you go over your life. You can see where you have uh, took a wrong turn, where you hurt other people, where you shouldn't have. Yeah. And and one of the great things about the life review is that you uh, is that when you when you're reviewing it, you not only get to see sort of what happened, but you get to feel the uh, hear the thoughts and feel the emotions of the people that you interacted with. So that if you said something really mean to co-worker one day in the life review you, you get to hear you get to feel, um, feel their, felt, their angst yeah. and, and, and their hurt at your words and even though at the time you may not have realized it, how you hurt them when you do the life review you'd be like oh, oh you know I, I, sh I should have been paid more attention I should be more careful with my words but you also get the good side too because if you yeah. if you uh, did a, a, a some good deed to a senior on your block one day you get to feel their great gratitude and love that that they that they are sending your way as they're as they're thankful for what you've done so you get to feel the good and the bad you learn more from the bad of course and 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 then you realize that everyone should be more careful about what they say and what they do uh, because you should think about how that interacts with the people that are on the other end of it and so when you're referring to the spirit side earlier you were mentioning like there's no violence it's just like love and all that uh, just for clarity, are you referring, when you say the spirit side, are you referring to like a highly evolved dimension that many people would call heaven or summerland? Because from my understanding and from other, you know, people, other resources that I've, you know, that I'm familiar with their work, they would say that the other side also has lower levels, you know, apart from earth where there are consequences, you know, to what we do based upon the law of cause and effect. I mean, I even had like Suzanne Wilson on the show recently who talks about that there are such things as lower levels and even Jürgen Ziva, who's an actual traveler, talking about, you know, that people do carry over some of their problems, that not everything in these other dimensions is all light and love. You know, so that's where I kind of wanted to have clarity is like when you say spirit side, are you referring to everything? Like that's just like not earth or is it just like a particular highly evolved dimension? Because, you know, there there's the works of like even Silver Birch where there 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 is this law of cause and effect. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, well, it, it, the spirit side is sort of the highest dimension possible. It's it's, it's a totally non-physical environment. Uh, I mean, it, it roughly equates to what Christians might have said as, as heaven. Okay. Um, but there, there is no. I've only seen one sort of level, so so to speak, of the spirit side. I don't see many levels, uh, and there is no cause and effect. It's like sort of whatever you did on the on the earth plane or the phys other physical planes it's all left behind, other than the wisdom you got from what you experienced. And so there's nothing. There's no carryover. It's sort of like uh, if you were a bad guy, there's nothing that you have to make amends to on the spirit side. Um, it, it just it's, it's it's all left behind. So that's my experience of the spirit side. There is no there's no different levels and there's no cause and effect left over. Um, and because people on the spirit side, they they just view no matter. I mean, to give you an example, I had a conversation on the spirit side with Adolf Hitler and Jesus Christ sitting together. Uh, and Adolf Hitler goes to the same place as Jesus Christ did after the. Uh, after they died, which is there's only one place. That's the spirit side. And and, um, uh, and Adolf Hitler told me that um, after he passed from the earth plane, he met with a number of uh, of the victims of his death camps, 
and there was no animosity, no carryover, no no revenge uh, thinking, none of that. It was just unconditional love. That's all there is there. And so they so so none of that stuff carried over, which a lot of people will find strange. Like how can the how can the bad guys go to a good place? Albert says there's only one place to go. So I, from my experience, there aren't different levels, and there aren't some levels where you have to sort of pay for what you did. Um, okay. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty different from you know the other the other sources that are out there though. You know that are saying different things because I mean I even had someone a couple episodes ago who says something a little bit different with the experience with Hitler. So you know I mean we don't have to get into that, but I'm just like all right. I'd like to hear your experience. I mean, do you do you consider everything that Albert says to be infallible? Absolutely. I have no question at all in my mind. Just to kind of move on, because I know that's like a, it was a big topic that we had in another episode where we just talked about the problem of evil. You know, in the afterlife, though, like our thoughts are extremely powerful, right? And so we're able to attract certain environments. So what if someone has a strong belief in hell? Well, it, 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 yeah, yeah, if they have a strong belief in hell, I mean, it, it initially, when uh, for some people who have a strong belief in hell, when they cross over, they may, in fact, temporarily create a hell for themselves after they transition. Okay. But it's only very temporary until their guides come and say, okay, you, this doesn't really exist. You're just creating this for yourself. And they'll, they'll move them over to the, to, the, to, to the fully transition to the spirit side. So occasionally, some people experience that very temporarily. If they have a very strong belief about, about the fact that they, they're, they're going to go to hell, so when they die initially, they put themselves there only for a short period of time. It doesn't really exist, and then they move on to the spirit side. So that does happen occasionally. Um, if people, you know, if people have a strong belief about, uh, uh, you know, some religious uh, figure, uh, sure. initially they will meet them when they first cross over. Uh, so, so our our initial experiences can vary a bit depending on how strong our convictions are on Earth, but it doesn't ever last forever. I mean. Speaking of forever, I mean, time is sort of a much different concept on the spirit side. There's no linear time. There's no past or future. There's only the present. So when we talk about, you know, 200 years on Earth time, it's it's like nothing, a blink of an eye on the spirit side. So time is very much of a different kind of concept over there. I mean, just to go back to like this whole idea of someone believing in hell, though. So with hell, there's also a devil or a Satan. You know, where does Satan fit into all this? Is there well, a Satan? Satan doesn't exist. Yeah, Satan does not exist. Devil doesn't exist. That's just a, an invention of the various religions, the Christian and I think other religions have it. And, that, and that's just a tool uh, to uh, in, instill fear into people. It's like, you know, uh, there's this evil person called the devil that runs hell. And if you're not good, you're going to go there and have to deal with this evil entity. And that's just a, a fiction they created just to uh, control people through fear. It doesn't exist. There is no, There are no evil entities, no evil spirits as such. Um, because everyone, once they pass from the earth plane, they go over there and they're dealing with unconditional love. Or people who, if they crossed over, would they be able to create these entities, even though they'd be temporarily just because of their, their indoctrination, but then eventually they'll you know wake up to yeah, reality? If somebody was really convinced that, the, yeah. that when they died, they were going to meet the devil, then they would temporarily meet a creature that they created that looks like the devil until, until their spirit guides just told them, okay, you're just creating an illusion here doesn't really exist come on over to the spirit side proper and so yeah that is possible and so as we were talking about earlier about like you know just having these previous lives i mean wh why don't many of us remember those those our previous lives because it would be too much of a burden on us imagine imagine if you're in this life and you've and you've had to say 200 previous lives and if you could remember all those lives you'd remember all the times that you were uh, beaten, <laughs> abused or murdered sure uh 
and, and that would be a, a real burden for you to carry around. Plus, all the times that you abused other people in those lives, which is very likely, uh, you would have a lot of guilt that you're carrying around. So there, you know, 200 year, 200 lives of memories, good and bad, would be too much of a burden for you. You wouldn't be able to sort of fully live this life because you'd be spending too much time thinking about what you did over those 200 lives. So that's why you don't remember them. That'd be very overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be totally overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be hard to also, as you mentioned in the book too, like kind of learn, right? I mean, if you were given all the answers, right? Yeah. That analogy, you know. So yeah, that's that's a that was a good point that I read in your book, you know. So I mean, let's let's talk about something that's very like popular these days. You know, a lot of people talk about like the law of attraction and stuff. So what does Albert say about that? Well, I mean, he he says the law of attraction has to deal with thoughts. He says thoughts are 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 beams of, uh, of energy that fan out and affect other energy and mass in the universe. So thoughts, thoughts have, have power and, and focused thoughts have even more power than, than like regular thoughts. And so, you know, for example, um, how did Jesus create his miracles walking on water and turning water into wine? He, he had learned to focus his thoughts into very powerful beams of energy, um, which most of us can't do, but certainly he could do it. And so the law of attraction, he's, uh, he, uh, Albert says law of attraction can work if you sort of, uh, send out your thoughts that you, your desire to manifest something, um, it can work, but so, but it doesn't work all the time because um, if your thoughts as a human that you want to have something um, conflicts with what your soul thinks that you should have based upon your life plan and what it wants to experience, then your soul will basically send out a canceling thought like, no, universe, we don't want this guy to have that because it's going to send him too far off his path. So when you have your thought and your soul doing a canceling thought, then oftentimes uh, uh, what you, the law of attraction just doesn't work in that circumstance. So, so, so it can work, but it doesn't work all the time. Yeah, the, the other aspect is that if two people are both wanting the same thing and there's only one of them, then obviously they both aren't going to have it. And so the law of attraction may work for one, but it won't work for the other one. So there's a lot of reasons that it doesn't work. But, but he said having positive thoughts, uh, positive affirmations about what you desire is always a good thing, even though it doesn't always turn out. So it, it's true to a certain degree, like, but in a sense, there's like exceptions. So if, like, if somebody would make more money or whatever, you know, they're trying to attract it and do everything, you know, following the secret and all that. But then the, the conflict could be is that in their soul plan, there might be a possibility that they weren't meant to be like a millionaire. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. And, if, and, if, and if your soul um, knows that what you're trying to attract to yourself because you don't remember what your life plan, you're trying to attract something to yourself that wouldn't be appropriate for your life plan or would send you way off course, your soul will be working in behind the scenes to make sure it doesn't happen. And, and of course, you don't know what your soul has planned. Um, and so that's why in a lot of cases, uh, you know, all the people say, I, I wish I was a, a billionaire doesn't happen for everyone <laughs> very good reasons for it <laughs> right right you know so i mean we, we've covered a lot of things so far but you know but what have the reactions been from your friends and family you know of you once being a lawyer to you now teaching spirituality and what some people would consider this like new age woo woo stuff so what have well, the reactions well, it, been yeah my family has been very good um, my wife is very spiritual so she kind of signed on to it right away when she found out awesome. what was happening to me um, and my two sons, um, they go along with it. I mean, they, we don't really talk about it much, but, but I think they more or less, uh, you know, sign on to what I'm doing and say it's okay. Um, I have three sisters uh, who uh, are, are still practicing Catholics, and they don't really say much either. We don't really talk about it when we get together. Um, so they have their view, and I have my view, and that's fine, but there's no animosity, and we still get along fine. But they read your books? 
I, I think some I of know. them have. I'm not sure if they've been involved. <laughs> It'll be awkward. <laughs> and I don't ask the question. Sure, I sure. I don't ask the question. You know. Oh, okay. So you know, why do you, why do you think all this stuff happened to you, even though you didn't necessarily ask for it? I mean, like with your spirit guide appearing to you in the flesh, and then having these amazing astral experiences that you documented in your other books. I mean, why do you think this happened to you? Because I'm sure a lot of people hearing this would be like, "Dude, I want to experience those things," and you know what I'm saying. So, like, why you? Well, I did ask Albert that question. He said that it was uh, all planned before I incarnated. So this was part of my life plan that he would show up as the homeless man and give me this guidance and make his revelations. And and when I said, "Yeah, why me?" There's lots of other people that uh, you know you could have uh, you could have picked uh, Stephen King or, or <laughs> J.T. Rowling or something sure. to to get your word out. He said, well, no, there's, there was a good reason, uh, and, and they wanted to pick. He, he's got a, a number of messengers. I'm not the only one. And, and, and in my case, he said, because I'd had a, a few previous uh, lives on Earth where I had some writing experience, they thought that, so for number one, I might be able to actually write in a cogent manner what he was telling me. So that was uh, one of the reasons, and uh, maybe that's the only reason. I don't know. Uh, but but we, we definitely planned it beforehand, except I don't remember it, but of course he does. Maybe not everyone's spirit guide will appear to them in the flesh, but um, you know, obviously from the data that we've gathered is like people do have spirit guides. So I mean, do you have any tips on how people can actually get to know their spirit guides, even though their guide may not necessarily appear in the flesh or learn how to actual travel? Do you have any guidance or tips for any people? You know, the best way to connect with your spirit guides and hear their messages is through meditation. With meditation, and there's a number of different ways of doing it, it doesn't matter which one you pick as long as it works for you, is, is you know, you sit quietly, try to quiet your mind, try to try to get rid of all the other thoughts that clutter your mind every day. And, and, and to the extent you can do that, then the messages from your guides will come through clearer and you'll be in a better position to understand them. Um, and, and, and the more you understand them and listen to them, uh, the more clarity they will come with. So it's sort of a, it's, it's a self, uh, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of once you sort of start, you, the messages will come in a more, uh, more often and in a more clear fashion. And so that's really the only way. There's no other, there's no magic wand that you can wave to say, okay, uh, my spirit guides come and talk to me like, uh, you know, in, in, in direct sort of telepathic contact. That's generally not going to happen to most people. I'm an unusual case, but uh, you know, listening to your guides and, and hearing your messages is not easy. Uh, but if you're aware of the fact that they are sending you messages and you try to hear better through meditation, you'll hear more of them and it'll become clearer to you. You know, and, and when you get a, a flash of intuition, um, you know, when you realize that that's really coming from your guides and it's not some brilliant idea that just popped into your mind, it's coming from your guides. Once you start recognizing that, then you'll be more aware of these things and be more attuned to sort of carrying them out because you know where they're coming from. Yeah. So I think it's all about perspective because I think a lot of people, they don't they don't consider that's, you know, the, the intuition or, you know, a little flash, like a random thought popping in their mind as like, oh, that must be my guide. I mean, they just think, oh, it's just my thought. Exactly. And I think that's where you point out is like it's the subtle things that we got to pay attention to and be like, no, those are that's different. You know, there's a different texture to it of, of your guide possibly communicating through this, the subtle, the still small voice, so to speak, that maybe some people would just say that's the Holy Spirit or or God or whatever. But what about like during sleep? Does Do we receive messages during sleep? Yeah, we do. We, they, they, your guides uh, will send you messages sometimes in your dreams. And again, that's not necessarily easy to decipher because we all have a bunch of dreams and, uh, and, and not every dream has a message. Some of them do. Um, so you have to sort of pay attention to your dreams. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is that uh, every night when we sleep, our souls leave our bodies 
and and travel in this in the astral realm often going to the spirit side to consult with our guides about what's going on in our lives and what should happen uh, so we we sort of get a, a nightly one-on-one -on -one coaching every every night when we sleep the, the trouble is of course when you come back in your body wake up the next morning you don't remember that but your soul did get some guidance and so you you you're sort of never left alone you've always got a lot of guidance and uh, and uh, you know you're always trying to head in the best direction and it's good to have all these coaches that are giving you this guidance and it's more direct when you when you sleep at night because you you travel over there and have a huddle with them it's like uh, it's like the uh, the football team at you know at halftime huddling with their coach and getting some getting some guidelines and so that happens to us all the time um, unfortunately we don't remember that it would be nice if we did but we don't get to remember that sure so i mean with all these encounters that you've had with with albert whether it's in the physical or through dreams or actual travel i mean what what what's like the main message that albert's trying to communicate through you and your talks and your and your writing well the main thing is just to realize sort of who you are and how the cycle of reincarnation works and so you have to recognize uh, you, you are an eternal soul so you go on forever um, you're an individual individual aspect of the source you're created by the source you're you're intimately connected to the source and to each other um, and that you came here on, on your own free will you, you you chose the major tenements of your life um, and and that and that's why you're here you're here to, to learn lessons and face challenges to grow and evolve and that no matter what you do uh, no matter how many wrong turns you take how many mistakes you make you're always going to end up back on the spirit side which is your true home and from there you can evaluate what you did in your life and you can decide okay do i want to come back and try again uh, on earth or incarnate somewhere else or do i just want to stay in the spirit side so it's really there's a lot of freedom involved and, and there's no uh, there's no absolute rules to follow on earth the source doesn't create rules uh, so there's no sort of absolute right or wrong in, in in the eyes of the source and there's no judgment so you're free to go ahead and carry on with your life and if uh, if you screw up no worries you can come back again and try to fix it up or go somewhere else and so it's sort of the total freedom uh, of choice for the soul uh, to, to choose things that will help them grow and evolve. Um, and it's uh, it's very exciting because you can, it, it's sort of like you're on a, a, a never ending journey of spiritual evolvement. Uh, it has no finish line, which is good. And, and, and there's always, uh, always things to see because the universe is constantly changing. If you get, if you graduate from planet earth, uh, you can go onto a different planet and, and incarnate in a different life form. So there's endless possibilities. I mean, I guess we could kind of go back to even what you said earlier, because you were mentioning about like, because I know this is like a big topic, even with the, you know, the spiritual community of, well, is there like objectivity to like goodness and evil? And, you know, you'll find some people saying that there's no such thing as evil. And you'll find other people who talk about life after death, that there is such thing as, you know, evil and consequences and stuff. So, I mean, you were talking about how there was a conversation even with Hitler and Jesus. And it's just like, it's like what Hitler did here on this earth plane it's like ultimately it seemed like it didn't really matter so i mean are you are you saying that there's no such thing as like an objective kind of evil there is no objective kind of evil there is evil it's it, evil on earth is a relative thing i mean we all know sort of in our own minds what we call evil you know terrorist bombings uh, wars murders mass shootings most of us will call that evil that's just a human thing when you get on the spirit side there's no absolute right or wrong or good or bad or evil or whatever all that is, is just things that are happening on earth. And when you get back to the spirit side, none of that applies anymore. There's, there's no sort of absolute evil, no objective evil. Uh, so what happened on earth just happened on earth. They view it much like, a, like people in a play. If you're on a play on earth and the script calls for you to stab and kill another actor, 
at the end of the play, when the curtain goes down, you don't get arrested by the police because it didn't really happen. It was play acting. So on the spirit side, they view what happens on Earth is very similar. It's like we're all in a big play. And at the end of it, when the curtain goes down and you die and you cross back over, it's like, okay, that was a play. Let, let's see how I did in, in uh, how I performed in that play. But nothing, nothing carries over in the sense of any evil uh, carrying forward or any need for revenge. You know, the, the, the person in, in the play on Earth, the, the actor that you stabbed, of course, the end of the play doesn't hate you and want revenge because they weren't really killed. It, it, was, just a, it was just an act. Um, so that's that's it's similar uh, similar uh, how people on the spirit side view things on Earth, which for a lot of people may seem strange. But you know, Shakespeare had it right. He said, "All the world's a stage." Hmm. He knew exactly what was going on. I know a lot of people would have a, a really hard time with that, though. I mean, because I mean that's a pretty heavy thing to just. I mean, to just think if this is just like some sort of script or play. I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that kind of give people the license to to justify the things? that we deem to be evil here on the earth, you know, like someone who was a Hitler and will be like, all right, so Hitler killed millions of Jews, but that's just part of his script and he was really doing what he just planned, but it's not really wrong. It's just part of his script. You know what I mean? I mean, doesn't it kind of develop that kind of, that line of thinking where you could just justify, I'm not trying to be all heavy here, but it's just like, it's the, I know people would logically conclude these things if they hear something like this, you know, like if it's just a script like pedophilia and, you know, people being sexually abused and we'll just be like, well, that, that guy just followed his script, but deep down, that's not really wrong. He's just following a script. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that we don't do that is because we, we, we get these sort of, uh, these feelings of, uh, moral right and wrong from our coming from our soul because our soul does not want us to do evil things on earth. Um, unless it was at the request of somebody else and it was planned. See, there's two reasons that things have, evil things happen on Earth. One is that uh, it may have been planned beforehand. So, you know, for example, if I, uh, in a previous life, if I had been abusive towards uh, uh, my kids, uh, w when I finish that life, I may think, okay, well, I really need to feel what it's like to be on the receiving end. So I may go to you and say, Josh, I want you to uh, incarnate uh, as my father and I want you to abuse me so that I can get to know what it's like the, the feeling of being abused. So the, in some cases it's planned. In other cases, it's not planned. What happens is that the person there uh, didn't plan beforehand to be evil, but they let their negative emotions get out of control and, 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 and then the evil things just float from that. So there's two reasons for evil on earth and you never know which, whether it was planned or whether it wasn't. But we all have sort of a, a, a moral code that's uh, ingrained into our souls about not running amok and trying to harm people. I mean, if, if the if your country suddenly decided uh, tomorrow that, that murder would no longer be a crime, you wouldn't necessarily rush out and kill all your neighbors because you just know deep down inside that that's not the right thing to do. And most people would be like that. So that's why, you know, the people who understand how it goes, like, I, like I'm not going to go and be mean or evil to other people uh, knowing that, it, that back on the spirit side, it didn't really count because I know it counts here. And I know that's wrong, and, 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 and that kind of action would slow down my evolution. And, you know, and as I said, all souls want to graduate from planet Earth. To the extent that you do those evil things, uh, it just slows down your evolution. And, you know, I don't want to keep on coming back here for another thousand incarnations, to be honest. And so that's why I don't do those things. And a lot of people sort of feel the same way. So it's not, it's not a license to sort of go out and do whatever you want, uh, it, because it's, it'll just slow down your evolution. I mean, you saying that is kind of like it's relative here. A lot of people wouldn't go out and murder people, but some of them will. It's all relative. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
because uh, what you're what you're sharing is similar to what Robert Schwartz said when he was on my show. Where like, yeah, you know, the evil happens in this world. Possibly number one, it's like what you were saying earlier that it happens because it was part, probably part of your pre-birth planning. So you know, the bad guy, you know, being your dad abusing you, he actually did it out of love. You know, he's just playing the role. And then there are other ways where um, you could kind of stray away from your from your good plan because of your free will and do quote unquote evil. You know, but doesn't that kind of make love lose its meaning then? It's like, because I mean, when I when I heard even Robert Schwartz, when he was on my show, he was like, there was this conversation between a father and a daughter, a father and a child and saying, you know, I need you to abuse me so I could understand such and such, you know, and, you know, they need to have some sort of experience. So supposedly the father out of love, you know, was being cruel and mean to the child. But I'm like, if that's disguised as love, I mean, does it, what is love then? <laughs> well, I mean, love is lo- love is love, and and, and to say that, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's kind of a, a, a misconstruing to say that uh, somebody on Earth abusing their child is doing it out of love. They're not doing it out of love. They have another reason. They may have agreed to the plan beforehand on the spirit side because they love the other soul, which is not unusual because all souls love every other soul, and so. It's really part of sort of like, okay, you need this for your development and you, and you want to put this in your life plan. Okay, I'll cooperate. I'll be the guy who comes to earth uh, as your father, your mother, uncle, whatever it is, to do the abuse for you. And I'm doing it not because I'm going to enjoy doing that. Uh, like from this side, from this perspective, I'm going to do it just because you need someone to fill that role. And, and so that's what souls and souls group do. They sort of help each other, uh, you know, uh, set up their challenges and go through their lives um, taking the challenges that they need to face uh, and they help each other that way. And so, you know, who knows one life, I'm the abuser, next life, I'm the abused. And uh, that's how it goes. It seems strange to us as humans, but we're just, we're, we're filling roles for other souls in order for them to fulfill their, their evolution and, and growth strategy. Hmm. Yeah. So I think this is something that people have to make up, you know, their decision for themselves. Cause I know exactly. a lot of people, the afterlife research and all that stuff, they have different opinions about that. But you know, anyways, like you just recently wrote a, a book, right? It just came out of maybe a month or two ago. Came out in January. Yeah. Dancing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, before we close, did you want to share just like what the gist of that is, you know, to the audience? Well, well, it, it's another, it, it describes another set of astral adventures I had with uh, Albert, my spirit guide. And so he took me to a number of places. I met a number of very interesting and, and somewhat famous souls in the spirit side, like Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Archangel Michael. Um, and, I, and I also got to go to a, 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 some different planets, uh, uh, one planet with a very advanced human civilization where they had basically uh, eradicated sort of all the negative emotions. So they had a very idyllic society. And, and so there's a number of things in that book. I can't describe it all in a minute. Sure. But, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I encourage everyone to, to, to read it. Go to my website and they can read a, a summary of it and, and download an excerpt. Cool, cool. So, I mean, so what's your, what's your website? Website is gardenschulhauser.com. That's not easy to remember, but if, but if they Google any of my book titles like Dancing on a Stamp or Dance of Eternal Rapture, uh, you'll get to my website and there's just loads of information about all of my books and uh, they can... Uh, dial into all my social media sites they can uh, listen to all the uh, recordings of all my previous radio shows um, and and this one is like uh, number 144 for yeah, me yeah you've done a lot yeah that's cool man yeah no, so don't worry I'll, I'll have your your links in the show notes you know to your website and even to your book so you know so be sure to check out garnet's book dancing on a stamp is his first one but don't forget his other books as well 
um, especially the recent one that just came out in, in January. You can find it on uh, Amazon.com. And if you like listening to audiobooks by using the affiliate link that I'll be providing, you know, I'll be getting a small percentage in support of the show. You can download his book absolutely free with a free 30-day trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash flipside. And if you really appreciate this show and want to help keep it going, it costs money to keep it running, you can support me by going to patreon.com slash joshuatongle. And I'd really appreciate the help you guys. And, you know, don't forget to write a review on iTunes. It'll help more people discover the show. And plus, it also encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing. And of course, please share this interview with your friends. I'm sure it'll encourage them and, and start up some conversations to get you guys thinking about some of these things. And so Garnet, thanks for being on the show. And I really appreciate that you followed this new path of yours and for helping so many people along the way. Well, thank you for inviting me, uh, Josh. I certainly enjoyed the interview and uh, good luck with the, with the future of your radio show. Thank you. Thank you. So alrighty, guys, once again, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>